Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello, and welcome to Portfolio Pulse the go-to podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs hoping to learn more about achieving financial wellness, accumulating wealth, and building the life that they deserve. As you know, this podcast is aimed at reaching those interested in healthcare, education around all things finance, and business ownership. Entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes, and as business owners, we've learned a lot through mistakes, struggles, and success. And this podcast is for those that want to learn what they could be doing better in medicine and or business. Today's guest is Dr. Shayla McGinnis. She is the co-founder at Strike Club. She's located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she is a double board certified dermatologist and pediatric dermatologist with a busy practice in Minneapolis. She currently serves as the president of the Society for Pediatric Dermatology. She's also a mom to two tween boys and co-founder of Strike Club, a personal care brand made just for boys. Glad to have you on, Dr. McGinnis. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I didn't ask if I got your first name pronunciation correctly, did I? You were very close. My my name is Irish, so it's Sheila with a G-H that is silent. So thank you. You said a silent, and it's like an A at the end too, so it's a little confusing yeah. for us American people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sheila Mary McGinnis. I think my parents were trying to tell, tell us something with my name. <laughs> Do you enjoy a Guinness every once in a while? Sure, yes. Sure, all right. Every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Maybe during the World Cup. Well, glad to have you on. Um, I think that you not only being a very well-respected and established dermatologist for the pediatric type of variety, that you started your own business in the midst of all of this. So how did that come about and what was your mission behind the business? So, yeah, I mean, I think that 10 years ago, if you had asked me if I would be in this position, you know, working full-time in a busy academic practice and also having um, co-founded a company, um, I would have said no way, because definitely the journey here has been a lot of me stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, I always knew I wanted to work with kids and pediatric dermatology um, was really the specialty that that resonated most with me. I was very interested in children with all types of birthmarks and um, growing up in Canada and doing most of my medical training in Canada, there was no um, pathway to board certification in that particular subspecialty of pediatric dermatology. So I sought out a mentor in California at UCSF, a great training in my pediatric dermatology fellowship. And during my time in California and in San Francisco, I made some great friends, one of whom is Darcy Rosenblum, my co-founder. And we maintained, you know, our friendship throughout the years. And every once in a while, I would get this little entrepreneurial bug and think, oh, I've got this idea that I could really help kids. And I would bounce it off Darcy because she was a very successful marketing guru and had worked with many um, big companies. And then in 20, late 2019, Darcy came to me with a with an idea. Yeah. And at that point, I was working full-time in my academic practice and still am. Um, she came to me and, and said, you know, my friend Stacy Blackman and I have this idea. Um, we've got, you know, so much skincare out there for girls. 
but what about boys? What about boys' skincare needs? And being a mom of two, you know, almost tween boys at that time, this really resonated with me. And that idea for Strike Club, which is a personal care brand for, for boys, was born. That's a really cool um, way into the business. I mean, not, not only was it relevant to you and your personal circumstance, but these other two folks reached out to you because of your expertise. They knew that you'd have the itch also for the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, so that's very cool. And and so what was it like taking that risk into jumping into entrepreneurship when you were already were successful in other areas? Oh, gosh, you know what, Stephen, that was really, I think, the biggest hurdle for me. You know, when Darcy first asked me to come on board, be a founder, um, I almost said no, because I really couldn't envision myself as an entrepreneur, you know, spending most of my career in academic medicine, there's almost this like taboo quality about money and starting your own business. And, you know, really, really, it took me a while to kind of paint a new picture for myself that, Hey, you know, the skincare world, um, is really not regulated and the formulated products are, are such that there really is a lot of room for improvement. And when I took a good long look at myself and what I could offer, I really felt like, well, gosh, who better to formulate and design a skincare line that's safe and effective for teens. And in this case, particularly for boys, who better than, than me, a board certified pediatric dermatologist. And once I kind of removed those limits on myself, I really dove in and, and I'm so glad I did because it's been such a great journey of personal growth and I've learned a ton along the way and I'm just really proud of what we've created. I am proud of you too. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> How long have you guys been going at it? Um, gosh, I think this is going to be three and a half to four years now. So we um, were very fortunate to participate early on in, you know, actually it was March of 2020, right before the pandemic shut everything down in a target accelerator program, many brands will apply to target, um, you know, with up and coming new ideas. And it's a really great launch program for new small business owners and brands. And we got to do our pitch, you know, we did it um, live then, and then kind of took the program online when things were, were shut down in, in March of 2020. But the result of that was that target really, you know, loved our idea, loved the product and took us right away. So, you know, in the first half of 2021, we were in, we were in target. That's amazing. And, you know, it also helps that targets headquarters is right there in Minneapolis. So <laughs> it was convenient. Yeah. So it's great. So, so have you gone through the, the cosmetic shelves and seen your product there? We have, it is a very exciting feeling to see something that you brought to life, you know, on the shelf and with the potential to help, help people. Great. Well, getting back to like the details of how, how you started this business and, you know, you went through the Target Accelerator program. Can you tell me more about how you established the, the actual brand itself? Did you use other professionals to help you create a logo or a mission or a va you know, vision, things like that, that you can then, you know portrayed to the world so they can find out more about Strike Club. We did, Steve. We did, we did exactly that. So there are four founders and we're all women. Um, we all have kids. In fact, between us, we have 11 children. And wow. so in the early days of Strike Club, it was, you know, us going back and forth, trying to like figure out what exactly we wanted to bring. We really, one of our um, 
co-founders is a a mental health professional, Nicole Brooks. And I think the main crux of the idea was actually from Nicole when she was searching out something for her boys, because if you just walk down the aisle at Target or Walmart, it's a sea of pink or fruity, you know, face washes, et cetera. And there was really nothing that, that resonated for boys that wasn't going to be embarrassing or overly medicinal. Like we still have on the shelf today, things that I myself used in in the eighties, you know, Clearasil, Maxima, all of that. And it's really, there was so much need for something new and innovative in this space. So we all kind of got that idea right from the start. And then we had a lot of meetings to kind of go over what we really wanted to say with the brand, which was creating something very cool. That was what we liked to call locker room worthy. We wanted it to be a point of pride, not something that people were embarrassed about like a zit cream. It was really meant to be, hey, I'm taking care of myself. Let's remove the stigma surrounding self-care for boys. That was really one of the main goals. And we did work with an advertising company in LA called Ludlow Kingsley. And they did our first pass with our website and our logo and some of that initial branding for us, which you know, we still use today and we're really proud of. That's good. That means it was long lasting and it actually worked out well for your brand. And it was, it emulated exactly what you wanted to say. So that was great. I mean, I know from my own experience, the only skin cream I knew of in like seventh and eighth grade were the ones I saw the infomercials on late at night. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's called anymore, but I remember the home shopping network. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All those different ones. And then, you know, my doctor put me on Accutane and that was the most like the worst eighth grade probably I, oh. I could have. Um, but you know, you've got that shared experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would have loved something like this when I was growing up. Um, so proud of you for all your efforts so far doing it the right way, you know, finding out that there are professionals out there who can help you save time and energy and use your money for a good purpose and growing the business. So as a business owner and, and all your partners involved, which trusted professionals do you rely on the most to help seek out advice or go to when there's certain scalability in your business? Why don't you mention some of those professionals? Yeah. So early on when we found ourselves in target and we had all of a sudden this distribution issue, you know, so we have a great contract manufacturer and I worked personally to formulate all of our products here in Minneapolis with a team of, um, chemist with a, with a chemist and, um, a team for our packaging and our, basically our contract manufacturer to make and fill the product. Um, so we had that in place, but you're you're exactly right. That scaling, how do we do that? How do you get you know thousands of targets serviced with with your product? And so for that, you need someone with an in-depth knowledge of operations. And we were very lucky because my co-founder um, Darcy Rosenblum had a lot of contacts in this world from from previous business experience. So we were able to get someone to help us with operations. We had, as I mentioned, a great um, co-manufacturer here in Minneapolis. And so we were able to scale pretty quickly, I think, compared to other um, you know, businesses who maybe grow that brand awareness first, more so on, say, their direct-to-consumer website, which we do have, but we jumped so quickly that the operations piece was really key for us. Excellent. Well, there's two books I think really any business owner can learn a lot from, whether you're a widget factory or you're someone in a service-based industry like myself. And that's, they're both written by Dr. Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan. One's called Who, Not How, finding out how you can find the who who can help you with this particular task or part of your business and not trying to figure out how you can do it yourself. 
And the next one is uh, 10X is easier than 2X. Most businesses kind of just flatline and go the 2X route, working their tails off in order to do so. But if you just focus on the 20% that brings you as a business owner the most joy and the most revenue, then you can scrap the other 80% and you can continue to 10X, 10X, 10X as many times as you want and even get more niche down than you are now. So that's something that I'd encourage any business owner to listen to and read. Um, might help you and your business partners as well. But tell me how you found the right who in order to help you scale the way you have. Well, you know, because I'm mostly doing the product formulation and I'm, you know, part of the four founders, the business um, acumen and information on, you know, all of those kind of details really was Stacy Blackman and, and Darcy Rosenblum. And they really had a lot of that ability and connection before we even started. So the who I think for them was somewhat already in place, you know, with knowing how to do the contract manufacturer, Darcy had been um, a very early employee in the method company, the soap company. So she had a lot of those, you know, already established contacts. And so what you said is completely relevant, the who, you know, have your team behind you and, and be able to, to identify who you need to ask for help because you can't do it alone. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, this is a money podcast. So we are going to talk a little bit about money from a business owner perspective. So as a business owner, whether or not you're in charge of the financials or not, but what is your relationship with money and, and how do you use it and how does it help you progress? You know, I had to do a lot of thinking about this question, Stephen, because I think when you're an academic doctor and you've worked so hard um, in, you know, your medical training, your medical school residency, and, you know, maybe not being reimbursed as, as well as you should have along the way, and then taking an academic job, um, your relationship to money, I, I don't think is the same as someone who did an MBA or had a, you know, has a business degree, has that background. And I think we, we mentioned today, even that doctors are notoriously bad at, you know, thinking about and managing their money and, or accumulating wealth. And I think that's something that, you know, people like me need to identify and kind of step a little bit outside of that, because I think it's important that we know um, our value and our worth and that we're able to, you know, ask for fair things, just like, you know, reimbursement in an academic medical set setting, but also to be able to take those kind of financial risks that you may not have ever thought you would take before. So one thing I've learned from this process is that there, you know, taking that risk has really led to a lot of fulfillment and has really been such a great area for me personally to, to take that kind of risk and to see what I can build with it. But certainly financial returns are not something that you start to see right away, <laughs> you know, and I think I, that seems to be a myth, you know, oh, you're a founder and you've got this company and, you know, aren't you seeing reaping the, the great financial rewards right now? And I would say, well, no, because when you're a founder, every single dollar goes back into the company to grow it and to to be able to scale it in the way that you mentioned. So I think relationship to money, um, you know, I've learned so much more about it. I think taking risks is something as a doctor that you almost would really never do. Um, and I think it just created this new mindset for me that, you know, only 20% of companies are founded by women. And an even smaller proportion are founded by women physicians. Wow. And I think that women physicians have amazing ideas. They're, you know, 
excellent at multitasking, at meeting the needs of their patients, their family, their, you know, their jobs. And, and I think that they really should be stepping out there and bringing those ideas to life. But I think a lot of people don't know how to do that. So one thing that I hope is that, you know, when people hear my story, that, you know, this is something that I've been able to build and, and do, that it might inspire more female physicians or female medical professionals to take their ideas to the next level. Because I think there's a whole, you know, crew of amazingly talented women out there who have great ideas and who can, you know, change the world. I certainly hope so. I mean, you guys have a lot to offer, a lot to give. A lot of great ideas that just need to come to fruition. And I apologize out of the gate for asking you the hardest question right up front. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you had a really poignant answer. I mean, talking about how not a whole lot of physicians, especially someone like yourself, a woman to, to create such a great idea and bring it to life is, is uh, not as, uh, not as heard of. So, and also there's some incentives out there for women business owners. You know, you can look, check with your state and see what type of benefits or things like that, that come about for, I don't want to call them minorities, but, you know, if in the business world of women physicians, probably a minority, right? So always looking into that. And I'll mention also about the business is, you know, you're building an equity and putting so much back into the business. No one's going to get the same amount of return. You're not going to get the same amount of return on any portfolio asset you may own other than your business. And it's usually your greatest asset. So uh, kudos for you know taking that risk. That is so true. And you know what? It's fun and you learn so much along the way. And, you know, it, it also helps that I'm still obviously maintaining my full-time job so that, you know, I'm still drawing a salary versus some, you know, founders who, who aren't able to do that. Um, but that's really been, been a, a privilege to, to be able to do that, you know, as well as building the company like we've done. And honestly, you have two full-time jobs being a mom too. So <laughs> that is really true. <laughs> But you know, so, that's the thing that's great, Stephen, yeah. I just love that my boys will are watching me and watching this journey. They're old enough now to kind of understand a little bit about it. And I, I think they're proud of it. And I think they're excited to see their mom doing something that's, you know, that's tangible that they can see and touch and feel and, and use in the shower and finally be washing their face like they need to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether, whether or not you realize it, they're learning life lessons from you, which is great. Mm-hmm. Let me ask this, maybe this personal question. What have you learned about money and what about planning has worked well for you? Obviously, sinking a lot of investment into the company up front required a significant amount of planning, um, not only for myself, but for my partner, my husband, who has been very supportive of my career and this project. But um, th- those are difficult discussions, you know, to have um, when you're when when you're thinking about a huge investment like this and the risk that that it incurs. So one of the lessons for me about money is, is really something that I have taken into my relationship and that, you know, your partner and and yourself have to be on the same page. There has to be open dialogue. Um, There can't be any hiding anything. You really need to, to go all in and, and review every line by line, your budget, what you can move, what, you know, what's going to, how can you make this work with a, with a big upfront investment without um, potentially going into debt. And that was something that we had to work on. It was not easy to do, um, but together uh, we were able to make it happen. And some of those were tough conversations, but at the end of the day, we landed on the same page and were able to, 
to make that kind of investment and sacrifice with our own portfolio um, to to get the company where it needed to be. Well, I think it went based, so far, based on what I've seen, it's a pretty smart investment choice. <laughs> well, thank you. We hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You know, um, a lot of physicians that I've met along the years have been highly disorganized financially. And getting financially organized is one of the very first things that we do for, for our clients. And I'm glad that you went through and already had the budget done. You sat down and talked about that emotional conversation with your partner. You know, you both were on the same page. You got his blessing. You know, you already had yours, of course. And then you had to put that capital to work. So those hard to have conversations should not be something that you don't do. You don't want to put your head in the sand. you got to be able to get outside of your comfort zone and have those conversations. So kudos. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And yes, you know, we, we can come back to it. You know, medical professionals have, you know, traditionally been very disorganized about money because let's face it, we don't learn a lot about it. We don't know necessarily how to make our, our money work for us. So having professionals like yourself, you know, who are dedicated to, to helping and, and guiding medical professionals along the way is really valuable. So I want to thank you for your work. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> What is it that you'd like our listeners to know about you personally or your business and maybe any upcoming events or promotions or highlights? Oh boy, that's a lot of questions rolled into one. So, yep. um, so I, about Strike Club, um, we, as I mentioned, we're so proud of what we've built. We really feel like this would be an amazing, well, this is an amazing legacy to leave young, young boys and, and young men. Um, you you may not know this, Stephen, but in you know the U.S. right now, boys and young men are are struggling. They are not graduating college as much as females are now. They are you know more likely to die of deaths of despair. Um, suicide risk is higher, and you know one thing for me as a mom of two boys is to try to start to early on think about those mental health things and think about self esteem and think about ways to help, you know, talk to your kids about vulnerability and give them tools that, that might help them, that they can use and be proud of. You mentioned your journey with acne and being on Accutane, and it's so common. 90% of teen boys will have acne and being able to talk about it so that it doesn't start to affect mental health and being able to give tools um, and I think there, there's just a great value in that. So that's one thing I'd love people to know about the company. We really are trying to change that conversation about self-care and stigma, remove the stigma. It's okay. Um, you need to wash your face and here's, here's something great and cool that you can use that will help acne too. That's awesome. You know, it's, you guys came to a, the market, you brought to market, um, a solution to a problem that was overlooked, you know? And the fact that you came up with a really great solution that was marketed specifically to your market versus trying to be mass market, you know, I think was a really good idea. So um, I wish more business owners would think about the solution first, but also understand there's a huge problem underlying what that solution can bring and fix. So find the problem, find the solution, bring it out to people. So um, where can we find Strike Club? So Strike Club is available on our direct-to-consumer uh, website. We are available at Amazon, Walmart, and Target, both in stores and online, um, as well as Urban Outfitters. I think Urban Outfitters is mostly online. Um, so we have a, a, a great distribution. 
Um, and yeah, so you can find us at any of those great retailers or our direct to consumer site. What What is the URL for that? Um, so it's www.strikeclub.com, but strike with a Y. Strike with a Y. Was there a unique reason behind wanting to put the Y in there? You know, I think part of it had to do with when we looked at the legal aspects of using the word strike. And I think there might have been some bullying things that got in the way <laughs> of that. But uh, but we we also like it because it's cool and kind of fun and a little bit, you know, it seemed to be resonating a bit more with younger people to use that why. Yeah, misspellings can be cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think the biggest question that I, I favor the most is, Dr. McGinnis, what is your purpose and lasting legacy you'd like to leave within your community? So I think I've talked a little bit about two things that, that I've really thought a lot about over the past four years during this journey. One is a legacy um, for, for boys and young men and for my kids watching that and, and being able to you know, address some of those early vulnerability self-care things for a population that, as you said, has been overlooked. You know, they've been left out of personal care. And so giving them the tools that might make them feel empowered to take better care of themselves would be a great legacy. And then the other is that, you know, this journey from academic medicine to founder, co-founder of a company and building a new, a new brand has been, you know, challenging, but it's also been a time of great personal growth. And so one thing that I hope is that sometimes, or maybe somewhere out there, another female physician might hear my story and think, you know what, I've got an idea. I really want, I, I need to act on this. And I, I feel empowered and, and ready to do it. Cause I think so, so many times we, we box ourselves in, but the best thing for, for me was to remove those limits. I was self-imposing, um, to be able to, to branch out and try new things. You know, in this business, we call it head trash, all the self-doubt you give yourself. But mm -hmm. if you just focus on like, Hey, I've got this great idea. It can really help people. I really need to bring it out there. So I, yeah. I totally agree with that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an excellent having you on. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm hoping more physicians are inspired by you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great talking to you. Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PASS, Guardian, or Husky Financial Group, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ 6115 Park South Drive, Suite 200, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28210, 704-552-8507. Securities products and advisor services offered through PASS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PASS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Husky Financial Group, LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PASS or Guardian. 2023-163-139 expires 1025.